the hell? Hello and welcome to Red Couch Manx. I'm Vivek Jacob, joined by Carl Mascarenas, and today we are breaking down Manchester United's 3-2 win over Sheffield United. David McGoldrick opened the scoring in the fifth minute, courtesy of Blunder by Dean Henderson. Marcus Rashford leveled the scores in the 26th before Anthony Marshall gave United a 2-1 lead in the 33rd minute. Rashford scored another in the 51st, but McGoldrick then gave United some tense moments by pulling one back in the 87th. A 3-2 win probably isn't the way United fans envisioned the scoreline going into this match. We've all been waiting for that dominant performance, especially on the score sheet that illustrates what United is capable of on the attacking front. How did you feel about this performance, Carl? Uh, If I were to summarize it in one word, I would say it was clinical. I thought, you know what, the chances that they took, they took them when they needed to take them. They were down 1-0. They had two opportunities and they put it in the back of the net. It really eased the tension uh, when it came to us as supporters. And after that, they could play free. You could really see that freedom come out, actually. And, you know, there are a lot of positives. But with this United team, you can never just sit pretty and enjoy the game you always got to make it tense and that's just what we are all about at the moment Uh, but I'm happy to take the three points gets us that much closer to the top of the table and you know what with that game in hand we could be right up there if we if we manage to win it win the match against Leeds and United would be two points behind leaders Liverpool potentially contending for a title at this stage who would have thought Performance-wise in this match, still very disappointed with the start. It took United a good 20-25 minutes to get going. Dean Henderson getting the start ahead of David De Gea. I completely agree with the analysts saying that Maguire's got to be wider for that pass. And Matic was even pointing out that Maguire needs to be wider. You can argue that Maguire even after receiving the ball, shouldn't be playing it back. But once Henderson receives it, he's got to be blasting it out. You can see the pressure coming. There's no need to try and dilly-dally on the ball, which is what he did. And it results uh, in a goal. I think he's someone that has to get comfortable with playing out from the back. We've seen that he's capable of playing that more direct ball. But... Maybe this is something that he needs to work on to make a strength. You know, unfortunate mistake. I thought he was okay the rest of the way. I wouldn't say it was an inspiring performance, but it was good enough. And he did make that big save uh, at the end to preserve the three points for United. With the brief period that I've seen Dean Henderson, one thing that I will disagree with you is I actually think he's good with the ball at his feet. I think in the second half, there was a a point in the game where Sheffield United was pressuring us and he played a a ball right into the midfield direct to Matic and we were able to play ourselves out of trouble. That ball he played took a lot of guts because after the mistake you've made, uh, there was very little margin for error if he missed that pass to Matic. Uh, Sheffield United would have been through. And I've seen that him play that ball a couple of times, even against West Ham. So for me, it told me a couple of things about Dean Henderson. It told me that mentally he's very strong. He won't let one mistake ruin his game. Uh, and he put it out of his mind very quickly. And he continued to command the the goalie area. 
he's not shy of confidence. I, I hope that he carries that going forward. Uh, and let's call a spade a spade. He did dwell on the ball a little too long. Like people can talk about Harry Maguire giving that pass, but let's be honest, Harry Maguire should be able to give that pass and not have the goalie like concede a goal from that. Lindelof was on his right-hand side, so he could have played a one-touch pass to Lindelof if he wanted. Worst case, kick it out to touch, right? So everybody who's giving Maguire a hard time, I think they need to realize that this is professional football and sometimes a goalie's going to get a little hard pass now and then, right? I think a little bit of this is also the British media doing what the British media does, right? And they've been pumping up Dean Henderson all this while. They've been trying to really have a go at David De Gea every opportunity he gets. I bet you if you flip David De Gea for Dean Henderson in that situation, guess what all the headlines are going to be? David De Gea, absolute blunder. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. There's going to be no no mention of Harry Maguire. It's just going to be and another era from David, right? So you're absolutely, you, you got that one spot on, on the money there because the English love to uh, love to prop up their own guys and probably like to bring them down equally as hard as well sometimes but yeah they love to build them up i think when they're young right and heap all that pressure on them and then once they make it to the top then that's when they love to bring them down but but speaking of dean henderson do you think the hair was dropped rested rotation what's what's your opinion on this why was he playing today i think it was a rotation move if you're looking to give dean henderson opportunities to improve and again it's not like you're paying him a minuscule amount to sit on the bench he is commanding a decent salary now so if you can't play him in a league match against a team that's bottom of the table against a team that's yet to win a match against a team that now has the fewest points accumulated at this stage of the season in EPL history then I don't know who you're going to give him a chance against so I thought it was just a rotation move. And, you know, maybe he's got that little extra fire as well coming into this fixture to play against Sheffield. So I was completely fine with that and gives David De Gea something to think about as well. I do want a bit of healthy competition. I think that's something that has pushed David De Gea to be better so far this season than last season. I wouldn't say he's back to his world-class best, but... I definitely think De Gea's improved performances this season have something to do with the fact that Dean Henderson is right over his shoulder. Okay, no, fair enough. I also thought it was a rotation move. If you look at the schedule, it's going to get extremely hectic over the next couple of weeks. And yeah, you're a goalie and you're not running as much. And so people will say, hey, why don't you just play your goalie all the games? It's not like they're tired, but you have to look at it both from a physical as well as a mental aspect, especially with you know, the COVID and uh, bubble going on these days. And, you know, sometimes players just need to be focused. And it's, like you said, I think keeping you on your toes when you're not playing every game. So I, I like that move personally. Interestingly enough, I mentioned United got off to a rough start before things picked up with the goal, I thought, in the in the 25th. But just before that, uh, in the 16th minute, Fleck could have made a 2-0 for Sheffield. It was eerily similar to the buildup was eerily similar to uh, when Visa scored in the Champions League against United in that Istanbul fixture. And I feel like a bit of a better finish there from Fleck and United is staring down the barrel again. They got their chance soon enough in the 25th 
everything seemed to pick up from there, especially Anthony Marshall, who we have seen time and time again. All of a sudden, he gets a goal in his bag, and he's a different player. Yeah, no doubt. You know what? Uh, while I was making notes on this game, the amount of notes I had on Martial before his goal versus the <laughs> notes that I had on him after the goal is a vast difference because when we were down, man, you could see Rashford making the runs and I just saw Martial standing still. And the one thing that was uh, abundantly clear to me is when you don't have Cavani in the team and Telus has the ball, nobody's making that near post run that we're talking about, Rashford or Martial. And I think that that's a problem. Now, one of them has to make that run to make a little bit more space in the box for the other players coming on. Like we talked about this. The only reason you know Bruno Fernandes had time to head that ball in uh, in one of the games was because there's space being created because somebody's making that near post run. And so these are some of the things I want Martial to incorporate in his game. If he's offside, he's offside. But at least make the run, right? But you know what? I must say, like, if we're if I take a step back and I'm breaking down this game, Sheffield United, I was very surprised, first of all, with the tactic that they were using. They were playing a really high line and they were really squeezing up the midfield area quite a bit, which meant that United yeah, obviously five in the midfield. Yeah, five in the midfield, squeezing them up because the defenders were up as well. And they basically didn't want United midfielders to have any time on the ball. Obviously, when you've got world-class players like Pogba and Bruno on your team, you only need a second. And uh, for the first goal, let's let's remind everybody that pass came from Victor Lindelof. All right. Uh, passing Maestro over here. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. In my notes, I had Bruno passing it because I was like, there's no way anybody else passed that ball. I was I was actually sipping some water at the time. I almost choked on it as it happened. <laughs> Shocking. Incre- incredible to see. But I was shocked. Lindelof playing that ball. Amazing. Yeah, and then the touch from Rashford was out of this world. Oh my God, that was that was an epic first touch. And then the second touch, a little better because it was in the back of the net. <laughs> but that all came about because of the high line, Rashford timing his run well. Mind you, when Rashford's making his run, you can see Martial kind of just sulking <laughs> because he wasn't <laughs> getting the ball. But, but let's leave Martial alone for now. Nice run, took the touch and bang. Second goal... Uh, Bruno plays it into Pogba. Pogba, first time, doesn't even look over the top. Martial's making that run. Ramsdale came out. I thought he was a little poor. He should have stopped it. Ball bounces, and Martial had the presence of mind to toe poke it in the net. That's what I mean by both of them were extremely clinical. Two goals early in the game were vital for our confidence, and going in at halftime with that goal ahead, we could play a little bit more comfortably. But Sheffield United playing the high line allowed us to play this way. Now, if a team was 1-0 up and playing really deep, I would love to see how we would have broken them down. Because that's one area where, yes, Bruno has made a difference. But you know what? I would like to see what would have happened. Uh, That's definitely one of the question marks that still remain for me. Especially if we keep going a goal down against teams and having to find our way back in the game. But to United's credit, all these matches United keep going down. People who are criticizing Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, think about typical red flags for managers. Usually those managers, when their teams start trailing, there is no response. And time and time again, you see this team fight back. That doesn't happen if they don't believe in the manager. That doesn't happen 
if they want to play for the manager. Even when they went down 3-0 to Leipzig, they could have dropped their heads. They had every reason to. They kept going, and they almost found an equalizer. And now here, yeah, fourth minute, You one way you can look at it and say, here we go again, nothing goes our way. We have all these stupid things that happen to us, then we can never just get off on the right track. There was no woe is me mentality. I think that's a credit to the players. That's a credit to Solskjaer in whatever is going on in training, in his man management, his relationship with the players, to be able to get that out of them consistently. Now, if there was something he could figure out to get something out of them in the first 20 minutes, that would be fantastic. But I think that's something important that we have to highlight because time and time again, they have shown that they are willing uh, to keep pushing on and keep pushing forward. And speaking of continuing to show faith, Solskjaer obviously saw some positive signs from Pogba on the pitch with his performance against Leipzig after coming on as a sub, with his performance against Man City, and then the Instagram post, of course, where he seems to suggest that at least, you know, for the duration of his time in Manchester, however long that may be, he is going to give it his all. I thought this was a really strong performance from him. That ball that you mentioned earlier from him to Marshall, no look, first time, world class. Being involved in the build-up play that led to the goal for Rashford on that counter. I mean, that's got to be a contender at the very least for United's goal of the season so far. When you look at the quick touches, the build-up, and maybe the uh, the Rashford finish, it could have been better to sell it a bit better. But I thought that was some beautiful counter-attacking play. Yeah, you know, there's there's a couple of points I want to make here. Both of us were on in the same boat where we're saying like, hey, we need Paul to come out and say something if he doesn't agree with his agent. Mm-hmm. Well, take a check on that box because Paul came out and said something. And I like the message he said. He said, I'm 1000% committed while I'm here. He's not saying he, like we all know he wants to be somewhere else. But all we can ask is while you're here, give it your all, right? And if you come up with a couple of trophies, then you know what? It's a much easier uh, departure, departure, right? So he did that. Kudos to him. Now, you talk about today's game. I mean, that third goal you're talking about, the way he started it with that pirouette, oh man, that was that was a, a sight to behold. And then just beautiful play after that. Uh, and I got to give Michael Oliver some credit for playing the advantage. He could have very oh, easily blown for a foul, right? So uh, kudos yeah. to Michael Oliver. And now, here's the bigger point I want to make. This is something, this game here, for me, I hope is a turning point. It was massive because it started before the game. The starting lineup, Ole Gunnar picked only one defensive midfielder. Yes, Paul Pogba was playing in that second. But guess what? If there was ever a time, like you mentioned, Vivek, to pick one defensive midfield player in a game, it's against a team that has one point. If you're picking two defensive midfielders, I've lost all hope because we that means that we're just going to play the system no matter what, right? And the one thing we know is we need to get a little bit more tempo attacking prowess going forward. And the way you do that is you, you have your attacking players on the pitch, right? So he started with that. But now here's another thing that I got to say to all United fans. We got to take the good with the bad. 
what's going to happen when you have one less defensive midfield player? You're going to have a little less protection for your defenders. And you're going to give the ball a little bit more often. Because people are trying to pass the ball with a tougher pass. And the chances of success is going to be lower. When you have sideways passing, backwards passing, obviously your attention is going to be a lot higher. But you're not doing anything with the ball, right? I think case in point is the way Tottenham play. They barely have the ball, but guess what? You make two, three chances, you win the game, just like Man City against Tottenham, and nobody's talking about how you only had 30% possession, right? So if we continue to play the system where we have one defensive midfield player and we give the ball away, make no mistake, Paul Pogba gave the ball away a lot within that 50th minute to 60th minute time frame. I think he gave it away three times in one minute. That's going to happen because he's trying to make something happen. Yes, hold on to the ball a little less. Stop trying to you know, play your shielding game. That's where you lose the ball most of the time. But at the end of the day, we need to be able to accept that we're going to give the ball away. It's going to result in a mistake or two. And against better opposition, more clinical opposition, they're going to score a goal against us. But this is where Ole needs to make the decision. All right, you know what? We need to just have the mentality that we're going to score one more goal than them. And that's how we're going to win games. I think if we want one defensive midfield player, that's how we got to play our game from now on. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you on that. Defensively, I think one of the positives that Ole can take away is, yeah, we conceded two goals, but look at the two goals we conceded. That's first one is a completely avoidable mistake. It's not that we were, you know, undermanned in the midfield and then Sheffield was able to drive forward. It's just a bad mistake. And the second one, Lindelof is heading the ball away and it just happens to go off McGoldrick. That corner we saw on the replay was unlucky too, right? Tellers was saying that wasn't a corner. That was a goal kick. And yeah. he was right. Yeah, it did take a touch off the Sheffield player. So one thing I want to add, Vivek, because, you know, you mentioned that uh, Fleck had a chance and he missed the target. It could have very easily been 2-0. In the build-up to that play, the only reason he was that open was because Pogba and Greenwood didn't track back right. to stay close to him. So with this formation, I guarantee you that's going to happen more often. Because you can see that Paul had no idea there was a player running in behind him. So do you think Ole will be brave enough to play it against a team that's not bottom of the table, against a team that hasn't won a single match this season? This is what I would do if I were Ole. I would I would play that formation against teams with where they're not as clinical. So if you do give the ball away or you do switch off, they're not going to make you pay every time, right? So I would probably put the top eight teams in the category where they will make you pay and the rest, I would say that we can take that risk. I don't know how you feel about that. That's an interesting one. When you look at the top eight in the table right now, we're talking about Liverpool, Tottenham, Southampton, Leicester, Everton, Chelsea, West Ham. Where are you, City? Where are you? (laughs) (laughs) The teams that you know will absolutely take advantage of those situations are Liverpool, Tottenham, and Leicester. I don't know if I would put Everton in that category yet. I don't think they've proven to be clinical enough just yet. Chelsea, I think it's fair enough. We saw that a circumspect approach was needed against them in that fixture. So uh, I would respect them, even though they have 
fallen off a little bit. But I would say maybe there's three to four sides that you absolutely wouldn't do it against. Yeah, yeah. And I think actually to to your point, Vivek, a couple of the other teams that I would also uh, keep in mind when when playing a little bit more aggressive or not playing as aggressive is definitely Wolves and Leeds because Leeds pressure you like crazy and, you know, they will make you pay as well. So I won't be surprised if, you know, if Ole goes back to a uh, a two two defensive midfielders against Leeds just because they like to press so high up the pitch. Yeah, that's who's coming up and you make a good point. That'll be interesting to see. And obviously, you know, I joked about City, but even though they're out of the top eight, that's another team that you would expect to be more clinical, at least if Aguero is in the lineup. Uh, They haven't been quite so clinical without him. We've talked a bit about the word clinical. I thought United could have done better in those closing stages. I was shocked after Donny van de Beek came on and he had Marcus Rashford running clean through and did not even attempt the ball. What was going on there? I saw that and I was yelling at my TV. I was like, because, you know, you would expect Donny to see Rashford making that run. And that's the moment where I was like, "Uh oh, this guy's lost his confidence and he's playing safe versus playing, you know, attacking. I was thinking the same thing. It's purely because he's not playing and he just wants to, you know, play the safe ball and keep keep it nice and easy just because he just came on the pitch, right? And that's a bit of a worry to me because usually when you see those signs of a player doing that, <clears throat> it reminds me of some of those players we've had in the past where the Memphis Depays or the Yanuzais, all these guys who we know they have the talent. It's just mentally they're gone. So I hope Ole, you, you know, manages him properly now from now on because like you've got all these guys you know louis van hal just came out and said van der beek made a mistake by signing for united you've had some other dutch counterparts come out and say that as well so i really hope that's not getting to his head right now moving back to marshall since we're on this point of being clinical and whatnot i think back to that champions league fixture where marshall has the net in front of him and blazes over. I think about when he has the opportunity to score again in that fixture and he gets his shot blocked. Here again, he has an empty net and he gets his shot blocked. Why can't Marshall score when there's an empty net? <laughs> hey, Vivek, I think you're you're bringing up some bad memories for all of us. You might, we might lose some listeners, man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's just hope that he he gets it out of the way, man. And I think Ole needs to to show him how uh, Ole used to do it in the past. Uh, you know, it maybe just requires a little dink here and there, and doesn't require putting your full force behind it. Yeah, at this point, I think he's tried the side foot finish. He's tried the you know just gonna, I'm gonna blast this as hard as I can. Nothing's worked in that regard. I hope, yeah, that, that the United can just put away some of these chances. Mata probably had the most difficult chance, the one where he just tried to uh, volley it in. That was some nice intricate play that led up to that chance as well. So the scoreline finished 3-2. We mentioned right at the start it could have been 2-0 with a more clinical team. Second half, I thought United could have easily made it you know, 4-5-1 and put it away. And so it shouldn't have come down to those tense moments. Do you think United still 
come away with that result with enough confidence? Because some of the talk post-match, while some of them were circumspect, you had a Nemanja Matic saying, hey, we have the quality to win the title. I don't know if that'll actually happen, but we have the quality. I don't think we're title contenders at the moment. If I'm being completely honest, we we just went like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about United in this massive crisis, uh, you know, eliminated from the Champions League. We can't, we've got one win at home in the league all season. Like, I'll tell you what, if United can come through this Christmas period, because they're playing some tough teams, they're playing Leicester, they're playing Wolves, they've got some tough fixtures in there. If they come away being two points off the top after uh, Christmas and you're looking at early January, maybe I'll change my mind. And maybe I'll think about that Leicester City title winning season where, you know what, nobody gave them a chance. It's kind of sad that I'm comparing United to Leicester, but... (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm with you. I don't think United are contenders. For me, I'm looking at this season now just being more of a building block. And so in terms of expectations, I think it is a positive if at the end of the season, Ole can say, hey, we're now going to make back-to-back Champions League appearances. That's something we have not done in the post-Ferguson era. We've clinched uh, back-to-back spots in the top four. Those are the types of things that you can now, even even in the transfer window, you can look at players and say, hey, we're developing some consistency here in our overall results. That's what I'm looking for now going forward. Contender, I mean, we haven't officially been in the top four yet. <laughs> I know there's games in hand, but let's let's get into the top four and let's be able to look at that for a week before we get into all that contender talk. Yeah, I, I don't put any 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 stock into that because then at that point, then you you should be talking about Southampton and West Ham as title contenders because they're they're right up there as well, right? And we know that they cannot maintain that consistency. And let's be honest, I don't think United can maintain that consistency. They've won 10 away. They lose a couple of games away from home and with their current home form, you're lucky if they make it into the top four. 10 straight matches away from home. I mean, that's incredible. That is absolutely incredible. We've mentioned it. Uh, once or twice now on the podcast, but I don't think that's something we can commend enough. That's an astounding achievement. I know, obviously, there's the asterisk, if you want to call it, with there not being any fans and this and that. But I think that's an amazing accomplishment. The one thing I will say about the table in terms of identifying whether a team is performing well or not, this is something that I've always done. So you you can tell me whether you agree with it or not. In terms of anticipating which teams are going to do well, it might still be a little too early to look at it. But you look at the tables historically, any team that has performed well gets at least two points per match. So on average, if you get 76 points or more, you are usually in the top four you are usually playing good football. And United, in 12 matches now, they have 23 points, which is right there. I like I like that breakdown uh, for people wondering where Vivek got 76 from. That's just the number of league games, 38 times two. Yes. Thank you, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's an interesting point you make, Vivek. I, I actually never, I never thought of it like that, but 
I'm sure if you go back, you know, a couple of seasons and you look at the data, I'm guessing that's where you got it from, right? That's probably what the top four averages. I promise you, whoever's listening, go look at the tables historically and go back year after year after year. I you might find one exception, maybe two in the past 15, 20 years of a team that's got at least 76 points and has not been in the top four. So, but, but you look at United's record. I'm just going based off memory here. We played City, Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham. And out of those, we tied Chelsea and City and we lost to Arsenal and Tottenham. We're yet mm-hmm. to play Liverpool. And uh, the big been, results haven't been there. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Honestly, um, I really think the Christmas period will tell us a lot about the squad. You made the point earlier that you know what the players are definitely fighting for their manager. Otherwise, they could have easily dropped their heads. It begs one question for me, and you know what, this question has been asked been asked the whole season so far. If the players are playing for the manager, and they're giving it them all, they're all. Is the manager making the right decisions to begin with? Yeah, I I think this is a perfectly valid criticism, right? We've seen and we've had the debate of do we get give credit to Solskjaer for making the adjustment or do we criticize him for not having those pieces in place right from the start? When you see poor start after poor start, clearly in this match, he had the right pieces in place from the start. This was an exception to the rule, like where even though it was a poor 20-ish minutes to start, I don't think you can complain about the way uh, he had United lined up in this one. But overall, I think that's a criticism that can be made. Yeah, I think time will tell because at the end of the season, if there's a couple of trophies in our cabinet, that question isn't asked so loudly, right? And so, uh, like like you said from the beginning, Vivek, like give him the season. If he doesn't make the Champions League, then I think you have your answer. The last person I will give credit to here, and you know from the way I've talked about him to you and in general, that I would never want to give him credit. But the fact that Woodward, Matt Judge, and the club in general have not increased the burden on Solshire in any way, all the drama that's gone on with exiting the Champions League and everything like that, there has been no smoke that his job is on the line, that he's under pressure or anything like that. And I think that's a positive step for the club. Agreed, because we know in the past with managers like Louis van Gaal and Jose Mourinho, there's been a lot of smoke coming out of that chimney, right? At the United Browns. So, uh, no, I agree with you. I think that's a good point to make. And you know what? based off of these positive things that you're talking about, who is your Cantona caller for the match? I'll give it to Paul Bogba. I know you mentioned his giveaways and whatnot, but the way he inspired those two goals, that those are world-class moments that very few players can produce. And so I, I will tip my cap to him, hand it over to him, depending on what you have to say on the matter. I think Paul Pogba was the second best player on the pitch. Okay. Marcus Rashford. I'm yeah, guessing Marcus that. Rashford. Okay. Man. This, this guy was in the mood. He got the mm. ball and I could see their right back. What was his name? Matty Bulldog or whatever. 
was shitting bricks every time he got the ball, right? So, uh, yeah, that's that's who I would give it to. I think that's fair enough. Rashford was definitely at it today. And yeah. he was running in and around the defenders. Obviously had the two goals. So, no issues with giving it to him. Who do you have as the Beckham boot? I mean, the obvious one, which... I don't think it would be fair to give it to him, which is Dean Henderson. I'd actually give the Beckham boot to Donny van der Beek. I didn't think he had a good game. He played 12 minutes, but... And I know it's kind of uh, contradictory, me saying, like, you know what, mentally he's he's not there and he needs to have man management and give him confidence. And here I am kicking him out of the team. But that's who I would, I would give it to. I wouldn't give it to Dean Henderson. Interesting. I thought... Mason Greenwood was a candidate. Uh, I thought he was still a little too quiet in this one. You mentioned Anthony Marshall not making those runs. I thought Greenwood at times had the opportunity to just divert some attention by making runs himself. And, you know, maybe if he's cutting all the way through, maybe Marshall has a run for himself at the far post. So little things like that, I think Greenwood could get better at. You know, he had that typical couple of one-on-one moves where he's able to create space for that left foot shot. One was saved. I think the other was blocked. So, yeah, he, he was a candidate. I feel like Van de Beek was absolutely, absolutely terrible since he came on. The only thing I guess I, I think about is whether it's a little harsh because he only played, what was it, 12 minutes? Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I, I mean, uh, I could go either way on that one. I, I thought Greenwood had an okay game. Uh, I thought he, he showed a desire to want the ball. Working on a couple of things, but I thought he had an okay game. We can give it to Van de Beek then. Yeah. Last one, uh, the noisiest neighbor. There was a man with two goals, so uh, that might be an easy one to give it to. Is there anyone else in particular that stood out for you? No, I think... Uh, McGoldrick played really well and he 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 ran from minute one to minute 93 94 so uh I think he deserves it perfect that takes care of the awards I think we can do just a little bit of a look ahead to Leeds does Ole go with two defensive mids or one in that fixture he's going with two he's going with two I can see it happening I mean the press is going to come in I could see him after 60 minutes. If we're down, then he takes off either one of the front three or, or defensive mid and brings on some more attacking subs. I mean, if you if you think about it, I mean, Leeds, their style of play, there's no sitting back with them. It's not like, hey, we're playing away from home. Let's sit back. And it, it suits United's style of counterattacking. If they're disciplined enough, which I don't think Pogba is disciplined enough to play in that position, they could go with the same formation, but... Knowing Solskjaer and, and how conservative he is at times, I can't see it happening. Does Dean Henderson play against Leeds? No. Yeah, I'm with you on that. He's not so, so you've got the 4-2-3-1 formation. You've got... I think Luke Shaw comes back as well. I'm actually with you on that one as well. So I think we've got the back five sorted. I assume you anticipate Fred and Scott together? Or do you see Fred and Pogba playing together? I can see Fred and Scott. I, I actually think he goes Fred and Pogba. I think he's going to chance it. 
I would like it if he did. If just because of the way Pogba has been performing, I think you got to ride that as long as you can. Especially now that, you know, he, he's at least making the most of the situation. It's a bad situation, but he's making the most of it. I wouldn't want to demote him for no reason. And then, yeah, usual usual suspects, since Cavani is not going to be around for a little while. Yeah, let's see. It depends how quickly the FA come down with their punishment. Yeah, they charged him, but if they don't have that punishment in time, or if they do and, and United appeal, they could get Cavani in the team. So it all depends on, on where they stand with that. I think Cavani would be a perfect player against this lead system, mind you. No question. But it's an interesting debate that Solskjaer now has to have. Do you try to ride Martial's confidence that he's gotten from this match? Or do you uh, go to someone who he has every reason to believe will deliver? I think for the same reasons you want to include Pogba in, you probably will include Martial in. The fact that Ole also mentioned Martial in the uh, post-match conference, saying like, you know, that's his first goal in the league and things are coming together for him. I think probably Ole will start with Anthony. And then if he doesn't show it, he's going to get the hook. That just about wraps it up for this one. A reminder, we are on Twitter at RedCouchManx. If you enjoy the show, we encourage you to subscribe and join us after every match and let your friends who might be interested know about it too. Reviews and ratings are greatly appreciated. On behalf of Carl and myself, thank you for listening to Red Couch Manx.